You're listening to a sermon preached at Redeeming Life Church. This morning we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 8 through 20, which is kind of the other famous Christmas account. We heard from the Jesus Storybook Bible account, the paraphrase of the story of the Magi, and now we're going to look at the story of the shepherds and the angels and so much more. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, it's on page 909 in one of the pew Bibles, probably under the seat in front of you or somewhere around if that would be convenient. 909, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, I'm going to read God's word for us. God's word says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at the night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that that will be for all people today. In the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with, uh, heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart, and meditating on them, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which they which were just as they had been told. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, as we look at your word this morning on Christmas, let us have the joy of a child and the eyes of a child to see this fresh and new. Let the, the pattering and the chattering of the little kids remind us that we are to come to you like little children. And Lord, let us be like children on Christmas morning, joyous and happy because of Jesus Christ. Help me to speak this word correctly and rightly, and Lord, speak to us through it, just as you would desire to do, and may it transform our lives. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I haven't got an opportunity to say it to all of you at one time. Merry Christmas! (laughs) It's so wonderful to see all of you here. I was really wondering if I was going to be here by myself, and look at this. Praise the Lord. It's a blessing to be gathered here on Christmas Day, isn't it? This is a good time to look at what the Word of God says about Jesus Christ, whom we celebrate today, and worship Him and celebrate. What a great way to do so. And this week, I was especially blessed with some help on my sermon. My middle son, Daniel, asked if he could help me to prepare a sermon this week. He said, I want to learn how to preach sermons, and I want to understand what goes into all this. Now, I might have been a little surprised on how much goes into this, but together, we worked through the text, and we studied, and we studied, and we prayed, and we looked at the text, and we, we worked through all this, and while we were doing that, I realized 
This is incredibly fitting, considering what this text is showing us. What's happening here is that the people who hear the word of God then go and proclaim the word of God. And Daniel has just finished reading his entire Bible for the first time. He read the whole Bible, right, and I made him a promise that I would buy him a fancy Bible, and then Josiah showed him his really expensive Schuler Bibles, and now I'm stuck. But in any case, Daniel has finished reading the whole Bible, and I'm incredibly proud of him, but what's happening in him through probably God's providence is now he has a desire, just like this text shows us, to proclaim the Bible and to proclaim the good news as he starts over and he reads again. It's incredibly fascinating for me to see that work right there firsthand as we are preparing the sermon and to see it in some of you. In this text, we see the Word becoming flesh as we read in John and dwelling among us, the child that was born, the Messiah. And then, through the power of the Holy Spirit, by God's design, the Word is proclaimed. The good news is made known. It wouldn't be that great if it was kept a secret, would it? So we're going to see three groups of or we're going to see three groups or individuals who God uses to share the good news. They worship as they encounter Christ and then they share the good news. So first let's look at the angels. If you look, go back to verses 8 through 14 and I'm just going to read this part again so it's very fresh in our mind. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the flocks excuse me, staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. And you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. I have some observations here. It was really difficult as Daniel and I were trying to whittle it down. When he does step into this pulpit to preach, it's going to be a very long sermon because he had a lot of things that he saw God doing. We've whittled it down to these. I want you to imagine the scene. Just put yourself there for a minute. It's dark. Says it was at night. The only light for miles, if there was one, was the campfire. Maybe starlight, maybe moonlight. They didn't have flashlights, electric lights. They didn't have all the lights flooding over from Bethlehem. They didn't have that kind of... I mean, it's dark. right? And then suddenly... An angel appears. Now, I imagine him in the sky, but I kind of think by the reading he was on the ground, but he didn't just come strolling up from a distance. It wasn't like a a glowing glory of God angel was really far off, and they're saying, what is that? And he's getting closer and closer and closer, and they had time to prepare. Pow! An angel. Holy smokes. And the glory of the Lord is shining all around them. Suddenly. And it says they were terrified. Now, obviously, having an angel show up like that, a glowing, glorious angel would be enough to make any of us pee our pants. But their fear ran much, much deeper than that. In most accounts in the Bible, when someone is visited by an angel or they encounter the glory of God, the response 
is a sense of profound fear and reverent worship. It's overwhelming. In Luke 1 2, the same book, Zechariah sees this angel. It says, When Zechariah saw the angel, he was terrified and overcome with fear. When Isaiah saw the glory of God in Isaiah 6 5, he said, and this was his response to the glory of God, Woe is me, for I am ruined. Because I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes see the king, the Lord of armies, just seeing the glory of God, knowing his sin, knowing the sinful people and the culture in which he lives, and knowing how much he does not deserve to be in the presence of God was enough to bring him to great fear to say, I'm undone, I'm ruined. It is a terrifying reality for sinful, carnal men and women to account, encounter our holy God. And not because it's just scary. It's not because God is scary. But it's because sin is scary. And in that kind of light, our sin has no place to escape or be hidden. It's exposed. And we see the reality of who we are in the presence of a holy God. We suddenly feel a sense of smallness and a feeling that we should be separated as far as the east is from the west away from this great holy God. I deserve not to be in your presence. Cast me away. I often meet people, some were you, and yet here you are, who say, oh, I couldn't come to church. I'm too sinful to be in a church building. By the way, it's just brick and sheetrock, and yet... People feel like they can't come into the presence of holy things. We understand that feeling, don't we? Sometimes you might have that feeling. I, I don't know. I have the, the blessing and the curse. Week in and week out, and Josiah has this as well, as he's going to be preaching for the next five weeks while I'm on sabbatical, to step into the pulpit and feel like, I don't know. There's a sense of sacred trust here. A de- I don't know if I'm worthy. I don't know if I can do this. I don't belong here. So pastors feel that same thing. We understand the feeling, don't we? The terrified feeling and the reality that I'm a sinner before a holy God, and yet, that's the feeling God would expect us to feel if not for the covering of the blood of Jesus. It is only by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, His bestowing upon us His righteousness that we can come into and encounter God. It's that exchange, our sins for His righteousness. So the shepherds, when they encountered the holiness of this angel, were afraid. However, the angel calmed their fears immediately, didn't he? It was the first thing they said. Look at Luke 2.10. The angel said, don't be afraid. Oh, really? Why is that? He said, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The shepherds should have been terrified. But the good news was the reason for having no fear. That message was the reason they could be calmed. They could realize there was hope. And that is good news. So how could they know for sure? An angel shows up. An angel proclaims something. Right? And we hear stories. People make these claims all the time. Angels and aliens and this, that, and the other thing. How could they know this wasn't kind of some who knows what? Well, it goes on. The angel gave them a sign. He said, let me show you that I'm telling you the truth. Luke 2.12. This will be the sign for you. This will be the proof that what I say to you is true. 
The angel says, you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Now, I'm guessing if they were to go to Bethlehem to see if this sign were true, which they did do, it wouldn't be too tough to find at least two or three babies wrapped tightly in cloth. But to find a baby lying in a horse's food trough? What are the chances of that? I bet you couldn't find a single baby today anywhere in this city lying in a food trough. That's a sign, right? What are the unlikely possibilities that they could be told that and then go find that? There's no way. Come to think of it, why in the world would a baby be lying in a food trough? A manger. Now, we don't think of a manger like, a, like that. We don't call it a manger anymore, do we? But that's what it is. It's a food trough for animals. Why would a baby be put in a food trough? And actually, didn't they say, the angels told the shepherds, right, that this is the Lord. This is the Messiah, the one they've been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds of years, the coming king that would free them. And what in the world? We're going to find him in a food trough? This manger? I don't know. But the shepherds heard the message and said, let's go see. Let's go see if the sign is true. And then a multitude of angels shows up singing glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. Peace between God and man, no longer enemies. The angels were the first group in our section of Scripture we're reading to proclaim the good news. And then it goes on to another group, the shepherds. So let's take a look at the response of the shepherds. We're going to read 15 through 20. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. How about that? After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Huh. Huh. They found a baby lying in a manger. How about that? Those angels were telling the truth. I guess if they were telling the truth about the manger, maybe they're telling the truth about everything else they had to say too. What a sign. Now notice what the shepherds did upon hearing this good news. Verse 15 says, they went straight away. Verse 16 said, they hurried off. Those aren't just fluff words put in there on accident. They're in there for a reason. They wasted no time. They didn't veer off to the right, veer off to, hey, while we're headed there, we're passing by my house. Can we swing in and get some Pringles, road food? No. They went. Nothing was going to distract them from going to see this thing they had heard about. Nothing was going to stop them. Now, hold on a second. Weren't they tasked to watch over the flock? Now, here's why reading the Bible is so important. Up until literally this week, I believe that all these shepherds were out there each watching their own flocks. But look back at the very beginning in verse 8. Flock is singular. All those shepherds were watching one flock. Now that might not seem very significant except for the fact that now, maybe, 
they could either take that whole big flock with them into town, which I'm guessing they probably didn't do that, slow them down, and they were trying to go quick, right? So maybe what they did is they said, let's just leave some of the people here, and let's have the rest of us go and check this out. Now, they had a job to do. This could get them in a lot of trouble, but they had their priorities now. Those sheep were now far less of a priority than the king of kings and the lord of lords. Now they had a task. Now, my guess is they probably left a few people behind. Right? Sorry, noobs. Seniority has its perks, right? So a few of them get left behind. The rest take off. And off they go. And at this point, like, we should really be shocked to find this baby in the food trough, but we do. So the angels were telling the truth. The night shift, though, the night shift shepherds, that's who got to go. Why in the world would this coming king, the Lord of Lords, the Son of God, have a welcoming party of the graveyard shift shepherds? Huh. Kind of weird, don't you think? Baby's lying in the manger. No major welcoming party. Mary and Joseph were 75 miles away from home. And probably all their friends and all their family and everybody from their hometown saw this little baby as an illegitimate child. There was nobody coming from Nazareth to say hi. Nobody to bring a meal train. Nobody to celebrate the coming of this baby from their hometown. It doesn't seem like they had any family or friends in Bethlehem or they probably would have had a place to stay. They wouldn't have their baby lying in a manger. They had little to nothing. And yet God brought a welcoming party, didn't he? And he brought them from a really humble people. I think because God has a special place in his heart for worship that comes from the least likely people in the least likely places. God loves the underdog. God loves the least likely. God loves the graveyard shift shepherds. He loves the bag of weirdos and all of us who come to him in the most least likely ways and proclaim that he is Lord and worship him. God also loves shepherds, doesn't he? He loves shepherds. David was a shepherd. There's all kinds of shepherds throughout the history here. I think the shepherd is God's favorite illustration for Jesus as the good shepherd. That comes up over and over and over again. So why not go grab those night shift shepherds and say, we love shepherds so much as an illustration. Let's have them be the first to see this baby Jesus and welcome him and embrace him. And they found the baby in the manger. I mean, how about that? The shepherd told the shepherds told um, Joseph and Mary about the message, which that had to have been kind of cool for them. Whoa. Here we thought we were really down and out, and, you know, I'm a guy. I understand providing for my family. I bet Joseph was feeling lousy. I don't even have a place for my new baby. It's his first night. It's his first Christmas, and all I have is this manger for him, and yet God is providing, and God is bringing this wonderful picture of who this baby is with this wonderful message the one that Mary treasured up in her heart. It also says they told anyone who would listen. And it says all who heard were amazed. They were amazed. So these shepherds heard the message of God. And they went and they saw and they saw that it was true. And then what did they do? 
They told anybody and everybody they could get a hold of and say, you've got to hear about this story. And all that heard were amazed, and then they also worshipped. Verse 20 says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard. Just were, they were just as they had been told. So the word of God has entered the world in the most humble circumstances, with kind of this really humble welcoming party. Because God wants the good news to be proclaimed to all the world. So we have the angels and we have the shepherds. And we have one more individual that serves as a messenger. I know what most of you are thinking right now. It's probably not what you're thinking. We're not going to talk about Mary. Who's the other messenger in the story? It's Luke. You realize that? Flip over one chapter. Go to Luke 1, 1 through 4. I'm going to read it for us. It says, Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. It also seemed good for me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. Luke heard the good news, and he heard it from other people. And he, it says, carefully uh, investigated these things. He probably thought about it, meditated on them, and said, I want to know Jesus. And then he went and said, I'm going I'm to look into this even more. I'm going to talk to the eyewitnesses, and I'm going to write it down. I suspect he didn't delay. He didn't put it off. He was a physician, and yet this took precedent. He left his practice over there to chase after Jesus and tell others. Upon his careful investigation, talking to the eyewitnesses, some of whom may have been those shepherds, he might have tracked some of them down. He said, I'm going to share and proclaim this good news. Now, in this case, he told Theophilus. Okay, we, have the, we have the original audience written right here, Theophilus. And there are some that say, oh, that's just, that's just all Christians because Theophilus means loved by God, or it could mean the one who loves God. But let's not make a mistake that this is to all Christians because he also uses a title, oh, most honorable or most excellent Theophilus. He's using a title of, of some kind of um, possible high rank or nobility or wealth. This Theophilus needed to hear the story, and it's possible that this Theophilus is the one who funded the account. So Luke is telling an individual named Theophilus, but by the very hand of God and the providence of God, he's telling us. We're literally reading the words of one who heard the account. He heard the good news of the gospel. It impacted him so greatly that he felt the need to write this down to another and now, in fact, his faithfulness in proclaiming the gospel is going out to the whole world. All who can, can hear this gospel. Now, it's not gone through everywhere yet. There are places who do not have the word of God. God is sending his people. But we get to hear. So Luke is proclaiming, just like the angels and just like the shepherds, and we get to be the recipients of it. Luke had someone in mind, Theophilus. Who specifically do you have in mind to tell the good news of Jesus Christ? If you've heard it, if you're responding to it, who are you going to tell it to? And who are you discipling? This seems like a discipleship act. You've heard this, Theophilus, but I want to make sure you can know with certainty that which you have been instructed. That's discipleship. 
Luke is proclaiming the gospel, and he's discipling. And then God, through his Holy Spirit, through his providence and his powerful hand, has cared for this manuscript, this document, all down through the ages to us. What a gift that God would give us that we could hear the gospel and that we could respond to it. Isn't that amazing? And he goes on to express that Jesus is the Savior, the one who brings peace, the one who would share the, or, uh, excuse me, make way for us to have peace with God, that we could be saved because he would go to a sinner's cross and take our sins that we deserved. He would be laid in a cross or in a tomb dead and raise again on the third day. Now, what we have, I tell you, is better than what the shepherds had from the angels. Most of you are like, oh, I just wish I could get a sign like the angel. Oh, I'm never going to forget that. And yet, you don't have to worry about forgetting the book of Luke. You can go to this every single day. It's written down for you. The shepherds had to keep going. Oh, you remember when? Man, did we get that right? Do you got it? Do you remember this? No, you don't have to do that. You can plumb the depths of God's word every single day because God has seen fit for you to have a record those shepherds didn't have. What a blessing. We have it better than they had it. And the writing itself is a sign for you. Verse 4 in that first chapter says, So that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. If you've heard the gospel, you have this sign that you will continue to learn and grow. And if you start to read through this, and if you start to work through it, you will grow. You'll be transformed into the image of God, and that for you is a sign that you will be instructed in the things you've been told. And it's a blessing. It's a blessing. So I just want to ask, when was the last time you read Luke's gospel? When was the last time? Have you ever read it in one setting? I want to encourage that maybe at some point, it takes about three and a half to four hours, you set yourself some time, make up a good tea or coffee, and you read the Gospel of Luke in a single setting. I mean, it's okay if you make room for bathroom breaks and things, but I know you can do this because we set more than that amount of time aside for TV binging, don't we? I think it would really be a great blessing to you, and I think that you would be instructed and grown in the things that you have heard. What we've seen is that the angels shared to the shepherds, and the shepherds shared to all who would hear, and Luke shared even into the ages to us. The revelation of God, the Word, became human, and God ensured that the good news would be announced to the world through his people, through those who prepare sermons through those who do Bible studies, through those who just tell co-workers, through those who share Bibles or translate into other languages. God has this in mind, and we're hearing this gospel this morning. Christmas morning. All of you in here, all of you watching online, you're hearing this message. And if you're in here with us, this morning, which there's a lot of you in here, praise the Lord. If you're in here this morning and, and you're not a follower of Jesus, or if you're watching live or recording and you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't call yourself a Christian, you don't follow him, you have reason to be afraid. 
your very serious reason to be afraid. We all stand condemned before a holy God. We're all sinners that should be cast out of his presence. And yet, the message says, fear not. There is good news. You have no reason to be afraid if you would simply turn and realize that Jesus is Lord. Give yourself over to that, and he will give you his righteousness, that you can be no longer an enemy of God, but a friend, adopted to be his child, in his presence, to celebrate and to worship him. I want to encourage that you do that. If you are in here and that's something you've never gone through, please come talk with us. It's Christmas. Jesus came for a reason. Maybe he came for you. Please, come chat with us. We'll wait right here after the service. Make an appointment. But most of you in here, I know, profess faith in Jesus Christ. You come and you worship him. You're excited to put your gold coins in the offering plate or to tell others or to serve others. So therefore, let us learn an angel from, or let us learn a lesson from the angels and from the shepherds and from Luke. Let us hear the message and let us worship Jesus and let us tell everyone the good news of Jesus Christ. He's come and he brings peace. We've heard it this morning. So now my challenge to you is, who are you going to tell? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for Luke's gospel that tells us of the account of the angels and the account of the shepherds, but more importantly, above all, it tells us about our Savior, Jesus Christ, who would die for us, who would raise from the dead as the first for us, that we would raise with him and dwell with him forever. I thank you, Lord that you would proclaim this good news to us. And Lord, I know there are many around the world who have not had the opportunity to hear it. So Lord, open doors, send missionaries, fund missionaries, and Lord, may it be that some of them come from right here in this room to go to the ends of the earth to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, for those who don't know you on Christmas morning, It's my humble prayer, Lord, that they would have reason not to fear because they meet you today on this side of eternity and can worship you and can proclaim with us and, Lord, can enjoy you forever as truly the gift of Christmas. God, we thank you so much. And, Lord, may we be ever mindful throughout this day and, and even all our days forward of how significant truly you are that you would enter into humanity as our Savior. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'd love to have you as our guest. For more information, visit redeeminglifeutah.org.